And welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. It's been a busy time in travel. I actually was at the International Travel Show last week, and the buzzword everybody was talking about authentic travel. How do you get out there and meet the people and, and see what their lives are like? Well, our first guest today has the answer, or at least one answer. His name is Jean-Michel Petit. He is the founder and or co-founder and CEO of a terrific website called eatwith.com. Hey, Jean-Michel, nice to speak with you. Hello, Pauline. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, I'm, I'm hoping you can tell our listeners very quickly, and then we'll get into the details of it, what does Eat With do? Well, Eat With uh, allows travelers, whether they are international travelers or domestic travelers, to share food experiences with locals at their home or in special venues. So uh, that's really what, what, we're, what we're doing. And we're doing that right now in uh, over 90 countries with wow. local hosts receiving uh, at their home travelers and showing them not only the local delicacies, but also a, a, a flavor of the culture, of the local culture. The format of the experiences is social, is that you, you are not going to be alone at the table. You are going to be with, of course, the host and his family. And you are also going to be with other fellow travelers that you don't know. Hmm. You are going to meet around the table. Now, I, I understand that in certain cities, this is such a popular activity that locals do it. So it could be uh, that you're also at the table uh, with other locals, right? It's not necessarily just travelers. Does it, does it change by destinations? In certain cities, are you more likely to meet other, other travelers? And in other cities, you're more likely to meet locals? Absolutely. So basically, in, in cities like uh, Tel Aviv, or London, New York, Barcelona, uh, half, if not more, of the people booking the experiences are locals. Uh, in places like Paris, the, it's mostly tourists. Well, ah. because, because French people do not want to eat French food. <laughs> in Paris, that's a, that's a fact. But if you if you if you are a tourist and you come to Paris, you want to eat the French, the typical French food. So uh, this is uh, uh, this this is what we have in China. Uh, we have also a subsidiary in China called Gongxiang, and as you can imagine, right now it's mostly domestic, and one hundred percent of uh, the the people doing the bookings are Chinese people eating uh, specialties from different regions of China uh, in Beijing, Shanghai, in, in over 20 cities right now. Wow. Now, uh, you know, if you're going to eat somewhere and you're traveling, I know as a traveler, I feel like every meal is precious. I, I read a lot of reviews before I decide where to eat. How do I, so I know it's going to be a cultural experience, but how do I know it's going to be a tasty experience? How do you test uh, these, these hosts who are usually not professional chefs, right? Absolutely. Some of them are professional chefs who have decided that they don't want to have a restaurant, but they prefer to have a supper club 
but most most of them are amateurs. So it's what 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 we do is that we are not a classical marketplace in a sense that people cannot simply go on the website, register, and boom, they are they are online. We we are a curated marketplace. So we have uh, locals that are tasting the. Uh, we have first uh, first level. We have the community that is trying to assess if the experience is really a good experience on paper, and then we uh, we speak with the host, and then we have uh, local people going to uh, to taste to test it, and we have what we call also a taster club. So the taster club are people who already uh, booked it with experiences. And when they are back in their city, we propose to them saying, look, there is a new host in your city. Why don't you have the experience? And you are going to, to be your uh, jury, if I can say so. And sure. give us the honest feedback about what did, what did you think about the food? What did you think about the atmosphere? And what, and more, and very importantly, what do you think would be a fair price? Huh. So, People are telling us, well, I would have been ready to pay uh, $90 or $50 or $30, okay? And then, then this way, we, we can make sure that we have curated experiences that are also at a price that is fair. Interesting. Okay. So uh, uh, you must have a lot of people applying. What percentage do you accept? What percentage pass this test with your tasters? So... It depends if people will apply. So roughly we're uh, between 20 to 25%. Now, why, why am I saying this? Because we don't need to have 500 pizza cooking class in Rome. Okay. <laughs> sure. We, we need to have only the, the best. Uh, now, it depends if people who apply are going to be in a big city or in a rural area. Uh, mm-hmm. If you are in a rural area... What really you are looking for, you're not looking for a Michelin star experience. You are going really to look for an experience where you are going to be in contact with the local reality. And you are going to have this unique experience about going to somebody's place and like terra incognita. Because when we travel, most of us, we visit the museums and we visit the the landmark places, etc. There is one thing we never do. Going inside the building and knocking at the door, ringing at the door, and having people waiting for us and welcoming us. Right. Basically, we, we, we see only half of the reality of a city, and we hmm. don't interact with people. And right, yeah. What my, my way of thinking of things when I started the company is that I, I read a sociologist, I don't remember his name, saying that the original social network is not Facebook or Twitter, it's called the table. Huh. In yeah, every, very true. In every culture, in every country, the way to honor people and to, to become friends, etc., is around the shared meal. Mm. Whether people are eating at the table or they are eating not at the table, etc., but sharing meal together mm-hmm. is something that is very, very important. So yeah. I thought of it initially as a, as a social network. Right. Yes, very true. Well, you you just mentioned cooking classes. We had been talking about eating a meal at someone's house. What what percentage of these experiences involve not just eating with your host, but also learning their recipes? It's it's twenty three percent right now. Huh. 
okay, where basically we, uh, you go to somebody's home, you cook together, and then you eat together. Nice. Very nice. Uh, well, it's, it's a wonderful facility for travelers. Uh, and you're, you're the biggest uh, entity uh, offering these types of experiences, yes. aren't you? Yes, absolutely. We're still small. But, but among, <laughs> among the minions, we are the largest. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, it's a wonderful service you're offering. Thank you so much for appearing on the Fromer Travel Show. So many thanks for inviting me to the show, Pauline. I hope to, to meet you soon at an Eat With Dinner. I started this podcast talking about the travel show. And one of the reasons I love to go to these types of events is I meet people from all over the world and I hear about all of the countries that I've never been to. Even as a travel expert, it's a big world and there are many places I have yet to explore. One of them that I didn't know to be excited about until I went to the travel show is Estonia. Uh, but luckily, I was able to meet Maria Tutokwore there. She's on the phone right now. She does business development for the Estonian Tourist Board. Hello, Maria. Nice to speak to you again. Hi, Pauline. Nice to speak to you. So it was so much fun chatting about Estonia. I had no idea it was such a vibrant, multifaceted country. I think what we need to do is just... Let our listeners know where is it geographically, and then we'll go from there. We always uh, love to say that Estonia is a Nordic country with a twist. Uh, we located uh, around Baltic Sea, actually uh -huh. across from uh, where Finland is located. So if you're familiar with the Scandinavian countries, sure. you're right south uh, of the Baltic Sea on the okay. map. Great. And so you're you're right on the sea. You probably get a lot of cruise passengers into Tallinn. When they come into that old city, what do they see and do? That's correct. We get lots of uh, cruise traffic. Uh, Tallinn is uh, one of the best preserved uh, medieval towns in Europe. Uh, so what they usually do is uh, visit uh, the medieval town and then they enjoy their time uh, in uh, Tallinn uh, by walking around, seeing also the modern side of the city. There are plenty of restaurants, shops and markets. Uh, contrary sure. to other places in Europe, I would say everything is open. Open uh, throughout the week. Uh, on weekends, uh, you can find most of the shops and places open, uh, not just so, museums. Okay. Well, let well let's talk let's talk in some detail. So, if people go to the medieval part of the city first, what does that look like? What why why is that so appealing? One of the things that happened uh, to Tallinn, in spite of the fact that uh, Estonia is at the crossroad. Uh, talking about the location, is that never yes. uh, was uh, destroyed. So the medieval uh, part of the city... During wars, you mean, never yeah, destroyed, exactly, never bombed. Exactly. Ah. And, uh, mm -hmm. and this helped to uh, keep uh, uh, the old town very well preserved and very mm. authentic. Uh, one thing that uh, if you're in destination marketing, and actually I am, I've been doing this for many, many years now, is that 
authenticity. Everybody talks about uh, authenticity these days, uh, but when sure. I, one of the first things that I, I really touch it with uh, Estonia is this side of authenticity. And uh, I believe when travelers come to Tallinn for the first time, they experience something that is not is not artificially conceived. It's actually there because it's been there for centuries and uh, yeah. and it's the way it was supposed to be. So do people see red roofs, half-timbered buildings, cobblestone streets or all of that? Yes, and we're very proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> what about your museums and, and your churches? What are the notable things to see? Yes, uh, uh, there are uh, several museums uh, that uh, um, travelers uh, can uh, enjoy while uh, uh, visiting Tallinn. One of my favorites uh, is actually a modern one, and uh, uh, it's a uh, photographiska, ah. which is uh, actually when uh, they decided to have this uh, to be Build this museum outside Sweden. The first one uh, was built in uh, Stockholm. They, after a, a very uh, long review and uh, considering many different locations, they decided to have uh, the first one built outside uh, Sweden in Tallinn. And this is another uh, reason why we, we we talk about it, and we're very proud of it. I know there is one here in New York uh, that there is. People... I've been here. Yeah, it's a it, it's a very unusual type of museum, as you said. It's all about photography, but they try to present it in a way where it also feels kind of like a party. <laughs> At least in New York, there's there's a nightclub attached, and it's often really contemporary photography. So you're not going to be seeing Man Ray. You're not going to be seeing Stieglitz. You're going to be seeing primarily, I believe, uh, the, the photographers of today who are making their mark. And uh, and it can be very exciting. Yeah. And this is what actually Estonia wants to uh, uh, convene to the traveler. While uh, we're uh, very rooted in our traditions, uh, we're very projected into the future. And one thing I really would like to touch, and I think uh, it came across when uh, I saw you last Saturday at the yeah. show, is that Estonia is a very digital country is very young and being uh, in the past uh, part of the ex-Soviet Union it was the hub for anything digital anything uh, electronic and it kept this after gaining its independence in the 90s huh. as today I think there was an article recently uh, published a few days ago by Forbes uh, we've been judged constantly as the most digital country in the world. You basically, really? Yeah, you basically can do anything online. And I always really? like to joke uh, with my colleagues in Estonia. They keep saying uh, you can do 99% of things except marrying and divorcing. You can even get a death certificate online. My goodness. Uh, if you're dead, how do you get a death certificate? Of course, it's not that that person that would do that. Uh, but, okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can even get a death certificate online. Wow. I could see I could see a whole mi murder mystery uh, revolving around that scenario where somebody gets it online for somebody who's not dead yet. Anyway. That's definitely an interesting way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> so beyond Tallinn, 
what else is there to see and do in the country of Estonia? What, what, where do people go? What do they do? Yeah, um, Estonia is a very natural country. Half of the territory is probably uh, covered by nature. We have six national parks. There is uh, an island that uh, is called the Women's Island. You don't have any uh, car traffic. It's uh, located in the south of the country. And uh, women come to actually welcome you in sidecars. The women are uh, the leaders uh, of the island. Oh. And this has been going so- on for centuries because the men were fishermen and they were gone for a uh, the entire weeks or months uh, and so on. So they had keys to the farms. Uh, they were the ones ruling from the way they... No, so it, yeah. it was a matriarchy then, this, this island. Nowadays. Oh, it still is. Yeah. Good for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good to hear. You, I didn't know any matriarchs, ma- matriarchies existed today. Yeah, you can see. And that's why it's a UNESCO World Heritage uh, Site. Uh, and huh. from the way they're dressed, it looks very, very traditional. You can guess, uh, if you know um, the basics, you can guess if uh, they're married, if they're single, if they're widowers, and so on. How can you guess from the way they're dressed? Yeah, yeah, they have this uh, very traditional outfit, but don't be... How does a, before we leave this, how does a widow dress and how does a single person dress? They have different aprons and different colors. Aprons. Yeah. Oh, different aprons and different colors. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Interesting. And don't be taken away by the fact that they wear these traditional costumes uh, because they're still very digital oriented. They will use their phones, uh, their computers and so on. Right. Right. Interesting. So you say that it's a lot of nature. I'm assuming forests since this is the Baltic? Yes, forests. Of course, during wintertime, we get lots of snow, which has its own charm uh, as well. Sure. Yeah, and uh, they claim to have five seasons. Hmm. When the snow melts, uh, there is this flood that comes throughout um, most of uh, the parks. Uh, and sometimes you see people actually commuting by canoeing. Wow. Oh, my goodness. So there's a flood season where r- right after winter, I guess, between winter and spring, where there's so much flooding, people have to get everywhere by boat. Does that mean that the buildings are, are built differently to withstand floods? It's just uh, a few feet, uh, not too bad. But ah. still, yes, uh, we, we're very well equipped to, to uh, live through the, this flood season, which is called our fifth season. Is it still happening or is has, has climate change changed that? It's still happening, even though we've seen some changes uh, with mm. the change of temperatures. We had a much milder climate uh, in the past few years. Interesting. Now, as you said at the very beginning, you're right next to Russia or near to Russia. Do people in Estonia worry about being invaded? Should visitors worry about the proximity to Russia? This is something that if we're asked, we always address. Uh, it's not something that uh, we uh, will uh, automatically bring it, bring it up. Uh, Estonia is safe. We've been part of NATO since uh, the early 2000. Oh, uh, that's we, good. Yeah, we knew ex- when uh, it was uh, uh, not under suspicion to become part of NATO. And we probably knew what we were dealing with. Uh, so we yeah. made the conscious decision. And 
that the current prime minister, Callas, uh, is a, a strong believer in NATO and international relationships. Uh, uh, we're part of the major international organizations. Uh, mm. And uh, in spite of the fact that I think 20% of the population, about 20% of the population is Russian, uh, we uh, still try to keep uh, our uh, strong links uh, with sure. uh, the surrounding countries. We helped uh, Ukraine quite a bit in terms of GDP. We have done uh, pretty, pretty well and we have welcomed many refugees. Uh, we have oh. helped uh, the kids to start school. Uh, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's so important. Uh, well, before I let you go, I know that a lot of people travel to eat. So what is the food like in Estonia? What kinds of food do people eat there? Is it stews? Is it roasts? Is it kebabs? I mean, <laughs> what what is the cuisine? I'm so very happy, Pauline, uh, you actually touched this uh, uh, topic uh, uh, because we just uh, published the first Michelin guide for any of the Baltic countries. Ah, our competitor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, no, to bring but this is just about food. And we uh, actually have several restaurants uh, that have gained uh, Michelin status. Uh, so we're Bravo. very happy. Uh, food is a very important part of what Estonia is. Uh, you will eat very good restaurants without breaking an arm and a leg. Families uh, will have the secret uh, places where to harvest mushrooms, uh, where to harvest uh, fresh berries. So it's almost a national sport uh, when uh, they <laughs> are in season. Of course, uh, during wintertime, it's much harder to have fresh produ pro produce, but uh, we do lots of preserve preserving. Interesting. Um, yeah, and bread is very, very important. It's a staple that throughout the centuries has had the major focus. We're famous for our black bread. So Interesting. We hope. Wow. Um, yeah, it's something that we always like to share with people coming. And people are very, uh, they might look a little bit distant, but they, uh, as soon as they warm up to you, they're really friendly and nice. Uh, since uh, is, is English widely spoken in Estonia? I will say so. Uh, most people, uh, since Estonians are a little bit uh, more than a million people, and they speak uh, a language that uh, it's very difficult that nobody else uh, will speak Estonian. Mm. They are used to learn three, four languages uh, wow. when they grow up. Uh, so English is widely spoken. And Euro is the currency. And the Euro is the currency. Oh, that's great, especially right now for Americans because the dollar is on a par with the Euro. Well, it's been such a delight speaking with you once again. If people want to learn more about Estonia, where do they go? Is there a good website? Yes, yeah, so we actually have so much time during the pandemic uh, to <laughs> uh, to actually focus on it. And uh, and I have to say, I'm very proud of the website. There is lots of storytelling, lots of ideas for travelers, lots of uh, assets in terms of graphic files, uh, and of course, great information all updated. And what is the address of the website? VisitEstonia.com. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, thank you so much, Maria, for appearing on the Frommer Travel Show. Thank you, Pauline. And that's it for this week's podcast. I thank you so much for listening. And to those who are traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage.
sweatpants, watching cable.